We're starting a new teaching series on Psalm 23. Psalm 23. And I've titled our message today, God is my reality in the journey of life. Would you say that with me? God is my reality in the journey of life. Say that again. God is my reality in the journey of life. Amen. Amen. Have you all seen this movie here? What's that movie? Yeah. What does that have to do with Psalm 23? Stay with me. Nineteen ninety-seven. Will Smith. Uh, Nineteen ninety-seven. That's when it was. Nineteen ninety-seven. Long time ago. Some of you weren't born then. Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones starred in Men in Black. So it's a it's an action comedy science fiction parody about two government agents uh, who supervise extraterrestrials seeking asylum on earth right so so earth has been declared a neutral zone for such refugees but oh my a villainous alien cockroach has inhabited the body of a farmer in new york And you're just going to have to watch the rest of the movie all by yourself. Okay. But there's a very quick scene where uh, Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones are on a brisk walk in downtown New York City. They stride by a sidewalk newsstand. And Tommy Lee Jones scoops up a grocery, a handful of, 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 of grocery store tabloids. You know, you know, the grocery store tabloids. You know, woman gives birth to three-headed baby. Uh, an alien stole my husband's skin. Uh, Elvis is alive in Wichita. So Will Smith is new to the job. So he sees Tommy Lee Jones scooping up all these grocery store tabloids. And here's, here's what Will Smith says. Next slide. Here it is. You take these tabloids seriously? Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, Yes. Best investigative reporting on the planet. Read the New York Times if you want. They get lucky sometimes. Now, now just sit in that for just a minute. What a movie line for our times. Where do we go for facts? Is there such thing as objective Truth, objective reality. Or do we just get to construct our own? Is, is the ultimate expression of American freedom the ability to wear our own virtual goggles and escape into our own version of reality? I mean, I mean what's, what's real? I mean, what is really real? Capital R, real. Capital R, reality. Well, now you know why we need Psalm 23. Meet me there. Psalm 23. You open your Bibles about to the middle. 
you get to the book of Psalms and you'll find the 23rd Psalm. One of the most well-known Psalms, the pearl of the Psalms, one preacher has called it. It's, it's the John 3.16 of the Old Testament. It's a familiar Psalm to Christians and non-Christians, young and old new believers and veterans in Christ. Psalm 23 is often preached at funerals. But I came here today to tell you that Psalm 23 is more than a text to honor the dead. It is a psalm of life. It's it's a psalm of the reality of our life with God. God is my reality in the journey of life. And what I would like to invite us to is to step into and see and know and feel the ultimate reality of life with God. And my prayer today and through February, this is how long we're going to be, is that by the reading and preaching of Psalm 23, these walls might vanish and our eyes be opened not to constructed reality, not to tabloid reality, but biblical reality, real reality, reality for the journey of life. Do you want to go with me there? And so let me just front load the big idea. Here it is. Here's reality. Here's what we're going to see in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd in the good lands, through the bad lands, and to the best lands. Huh? Say that. Say that with me. The Lord is my shepherd in the good lands, through the bad lands, to the best lands. Hmm. Psalm 23. A Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is God's word. This is reality. The Lord is my shepherd. You know, David could have said, the Lord is my king. 
I mean, David was a king. If God is your king, you are his subject. And, and David could have said, the Lord is my general. David was a general, one of the best there ever was. And when God is your general, you're his soldier. And David could have said, God is my songwriter. And David wrote many songs. And if God is the songwriter, you're his poem. You're his lyrics. I mean, any of those images could have communicated the reality that of who God is and who David is, but yet in David's mind, fundamental reality, elemental reality, boil that coffee down to the stain at the bottom of the cup reality. Led David to recall the times when he was a ruddy shepherd boy in the rugged, lonely corners of the Judean wilderness. And before he was a king, and before he commanded armies, and before he wrote the Psalms, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. David's not the first to call God his shepherd. Uh, write down Genesis chapter 48, verse 5. And, and Jacob, Jacob's very first. As he was blessing his 12 sons, Israel's sons, he he came to Joseph and he said in Genesis 48, 5, the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my lifelong days. So David's not the first and David's not the last either. The prophet Isaiah says this of God in Isaiah 40, 10, and 11, Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and His arm rules for Him. Behold, His reward is with Him, and His recompense before Him. He will tend His, his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in His arms. He will carry them in His bosom and gently lead those that are with young. The Lord is my shepherd, church. That is capital R reality. That's what David says. What do you say? Now, if God is your shepherd, what's that make you? That's right, sheep. And, and the psalmist says that in Psalm 100, verse 3. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. The sheep of His pasture. What a pleasant sound that is. Pleasing to the ear. Until you think about it, sheep can't defend themselves. Sheep don't have fangs. Sheep don't have claws. Sheep can't kick like horses. Sheep can't run fast. Sheep are not predators. Sheep have predators. And sheep need constant attention and meticulous care. Uh, listen, the, the, the sheep of Psalm 23, they, they were not the farm-raised sheep of the American Midwest. These were Middle Eastern sheep. 
grazed in the grasslands and trekked through dangerous terrain and feared hungry predators, and they had to have protection. They needed protection. Little Bo Peep has lost her sheep and can't tell where to find them. Oh, leave them alone, and they'll come home bringing their tails behind them. No, they won't. That's a rhyme, not reality. The reality is they'll be lost. They'll be eaten. They will die. David says, Lord, I need you. Think about this too. This is David. David, David is the king in Israel. David is the slayer of Goliath. David is the one of whom it says Saul has slain his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. This is the same David who says the Lord is my shepherd. I'm his sheep. Without him, I am helpless, directionless, and defenseless. I am needy and high maintenance and messy. You have to know yourself to be able to say the Lord is my shepherd. David does. David knows that without the constant care and protection and provision of God, he's as vulnerable to life's cruelty as a sheep is without a shepherd. David's not so full of himself that he refuses help. He knows he can't control his moods by himself. He knows he doesn't always get along with everyone. He knows he's not the smartest person in the room. And he knows at times he feels fear Anxiety, angst, anger, and guilt. And he knows he can't go it alone. He knows he needs help. He knows he needs a shepherd. Can you say that? Can you say with shepherd, uh, with, with, with David, the Lord is my shepherd. My shepherd. This is personal. This is a personal psalm. There's, there's no we, us, or they in Psalm 23. There's my, me, I, he, and you. And consider how catastrophic it would be if you took out the shepherd in Psalm 23. Now take a look at this. Verse 1, my, I shall be in want. Verse 2, me, me. Verse 3, my soul, me. Verse 4, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear me, me. Verse 5, me in the presence of my enemies, my head, my cup. Verse 6, me, all the days of my life, I will dwell. There, listen, there's no such thing as a self-shepherding sheep. Self-shepherding sheep become lost sheep. And a lost sheep is a wolf's feast. Does this resonate with you? I think the reason it resonates with so many of us is that, that deep down in our heart, we hunger for an authentic reality with God. We want to have the kind of real relationship with God that King David is talking about in these verses. And what I want us to know is that God wants that too for us. For He made you for the hunger that you feel for Him. 
He wants it for you. He's for you. He's for you, and he doesn't hold tryouts. The psalm says that God, our shepherd, offers himself to watch over you, to walk with you, and to welcome you into his home. Ah, now there's an outline. Huh? The Lord is the good shepherd who watches, walks, and welcomes. He watches me in the good lands. He walks with me through the bad lands. And he welcomes me in the best lands. Let's go there. Let's go to the good lands. And David sees this. David sees God shepherding him in the good green spaces. Now, you need to know this about Israel. In the springtime, for about three months in Israel, uh, after the rainy, wintry season, the grasslands out in the Israeli prairies are flourishing and lush. The flocks enjoy springtime grazing and fair weather feeding and the world's coming back to life. And, and there's color and there's beauty and there's abundance and, and it's, it's the life of post-winter awakening. And, and most of us can recall springtime in our spiritual walk with God. We, we remember, we remember, He forgave us. He cleansed us all of our sins. My conscience, my conscience is clean. We, and, 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 I mean, we interacted with the Scripture, and the more we read, the more we, fed, we were fed, and we felt God speaking to us, and we were learning so much, and we were amazed in awe of His Word. It's springtime. It's springtime. And I contend this is not merely for new believers. I would contend that God's goodness, God's springtime goodness, cycles throughout our lives if we are paying attention. These rhythms of green space where we find contentment and peace and calm and rest with the only one who can give it. I would argue the existence of green pastures even in January. That's why Psalm 1 says, blessed are those whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Psalm 1 says, for they shall be like a, a, a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Oh God, it may be the gray of winter, but your word is springtime. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want doesn't mean that God gives us everything we want. It means that those who put their faith in God, as sheep do their shepherd, will never lack for what the shepherd says they need. Will you rest in that? Can you sit still beside still waters? Can you just breathe and let Him restore you? Uh, look at verses 2 and 3. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. So, who's the He? 
Lord. He's the subject of each of those verbs. So, so there, what's there for you to do? Cooperate. That's, all, that, that's it. Stop resisting. Meditate. Meditate on this. Memorize this. God, you're the subject of these verbs. I'm the object of what you're doing here. Help me cooperate. My, my contribution to my relationship with God is that I have stopped resisting Him. And let this verse beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So in the valley, David realized that his only protection is God. He can't outrun his predators. He can't overpower his predators. He can't outfox them. He can't outsmart them. He can't hide from them. He's a sheep. And God's sovereign plans, in God's sovereign plans, green fields are not adjacent. Oh, I wish they were. God's sovereign plans, his green fields are separated by difficult, dark, treacherous valleys. But, but, but looking back, you see, David saw that he did not go through death's valley. He went through the shadow of death's valley. What do you know about shadows? Well, aren't shadows larger than life? And therefore, isn't the fear always the greater than the reality? Can the shadows hurt you? Can the shadow of a dog bite you? Can the shadow of a truck hit you? A shadow is a representation without the reality. It can frighten, but it cannot maim. And here's what else we know about shadows. There can be no shadows without light. No light, no shadows. And David says, when I was going through this dark valley, it felt like, it looked like the sun had stopped shining. I couldn't see God. I felt alone. But is there any time in your life when a shadow can exist without light? Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And he also said, I am the light of the world. Listen, listen. Christians go through valleys just like everybody else. Christians get sick. Christians experience tragedies. Christians lose loved ones. Christians divorce. Here's the difference, and it's a big difference for the Christian. For the Christian, it's not the absence of the shadow. It's the presence of the shepherd. And that's why David says that we're going through the shadow valley. So the, the valley is a corridor, not a cul-de-sac. Psalm 34 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. The Lord is my shepherd. He is my shepherd in the good lands, and he is my shepherd through the bad lands, and then he is my shepherd through the best lands. Oh, Jesus, Jesus who led me in, into the good and through the bad, now, now Jesus is, is behind me. He's pushing me. 
He's chasing me. That's what's behind this phrase. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Literally, it's chase me. It's pursue me. It's tailgate me. Don't get so mad the next time someone tailgates you. It may be our Lord. (laughs) And, And so here's where the metaphor changes. So the shepherd has now become a host. And the sheep have now become guests. And pasture lands have now become banquet feasts. Where's the banquet? In the house. Whose house? The house of the Lord. God has a house? Yes. What's the house of God called? The temple. The temple. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now what's true about my enemies if God has me eating in their presence? They've been conquered. In Middle Eastern culture, enemies were bound before their conquerors. They witnessed the victory banquet. They sat and watched the victors eat. That's how they did it back then. Why'd they do that? Because that's what victors can do. They won. And it was a humiliation to the enemy who dared to defy the sovereignty. And at the close of this feast, the enemies were executed. And God assures us here in these verses that our common enemy, and we have a common enemy, the evil one, the Satan, will soon face his judgment. Revelation 12, 12 says he knows his time is short. And so every baptism reminds Satan of his eternal damnation. Every time the evil one witnesses Christ's church sharing the bread and the cup, it's a reminder that our shepherd defeated him on the cross. And every conversion to Christ is at one and the same time both a celebration of Christ's grace and a dagger in the heart of the evil one who will one day be judged and hurled into the lake of fire. But David said, but I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's reality, church. And no wonder David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He he learned from the wilderness as a shepherd boy all the way to the throne of Israel that God is enough. God is enough because he leads me in the spring grasslands, the seasons of peace, and, and just because just, just when we think we just can't get any better, he moves the flock. He moves the flock because he knows. He knows that, he knows that we, need, we need sustenance all the time, and it's, it's not going to be found in that season now. He's, he's leading us through treacherous, dark valleys that, that reveal how close he is to us all along. And he reminds us that those are valleys. They're valleys. They're not dead ends. They're corridors on the way to his house, the temple, Jerusalem, where the banquet feast awaits with your name, your name, individually inscribed at your table place just for you. That's reality. Amen? Leif Anderson, and I'm going to sit down after this. 
Leif Anderson was a pastor. He was one of my teachers in divinity school. He told about a pastor who uh, was called to spend the night with a very sick child. That child was not expected to live through the night. Leith Anderson said that the pastor spent some time with that little boy who was kind of semi-conscious. The little boy never spoke in acknowledgement of the pastor's presence. But later on, the child died, and the parents noticed that the boy was holding the ring finger of one hand with his other hand, just like this. And he, he passed away in that position. And the parents uh, asked the pastor if they knew anything about that since he had sat with the child. And the pastor said, well, when I was with your child, I, I, I explained to your child that he, he was on the edge of eternity and he wanted to encourage him. And so he went to the 23rd Psalm. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. He took the little boy's thumb and said, thee, thee, because he's one of a kind. And they said, Lord, God himself is the ever-present God, always reliable, ever dependable. My personal, particular, my own, shepherd Jesus. Jesus loves, Jesus cares, Jesus pastors. And so while that child had not spoken, that child had heard and just before he died he wrapped that hand around that finger the Lord is my shepherd can you say that if you can 